Welcome to episode five of the Irrational Realist. This episode is entitled Ghosts, My Boo and Other Dead People. A semi-skeptical man once said, during the day, I don't believe in ghosts, but at night, I am more open-minded. I can't say I disagree with him at all. Ghosts are something we rarely see, but if and when we do, we may become a believer very quickly. Whether you call them ghosts, apparitions, spirits, specters, poltergeists, phantoms, or souls of a dead person that materialize to the living, you can be sure the answer to, are they real, is sharply divided between absolutely and no way, Jose. In this podcast, I will not attempt to sway you, but merely give you the information you may need to make an informed decision. Let's start with what we think we know. Science overwhelmingly agrees that no evidence exists that ghosts are real. Or should I say scientists that have never seen a ghost say that no evidence exists. Science being science just uses different terminology. They refer to something that cannot be explained with normal scientific understanding as paranormal, and they refer to phenomena that exist outside the laws of nature as supernatural. So they won't come out and say ghosts exist, so they'll just call them something different. Ghosts do not exist. However, supernatural and paranormal entities apparently do. Okay, cool. Go back to the uh, research lab and leave the hard stuff to us, Dr. Frankenstein. Last year, 11,949 ghost sightings were reported in Cleveland alone. 18% of people say they have seen a ghost. Apparently, they all live in Cleveland. And 40 to 50% of Americans, depending on the poll, say they believe in the paranormal. So let's split it down the middle and say 45% believe in something paranormal. That's 150 plus million people that believe in ghosts, demons, or, or something paranormal that may exist in the physical world. Oddly enough, TikTok says it has 150 plus users in the U.S. alone. Coincidence? I think not. One thing I'd like to point out is there are a lot of children playing with balls, men in Civil War uniforms, and women in white flowing dresses haunting places all over the U.S. In fact, I will go as far to say if you're a woman in a white flowing dress, I'd be very careful with whatever it is you're doing. A lot of women die in white flowing dresses. I'd wear off-white at your wedding just to be sure. Probably more appropriate in most cases anyway, but that's another topic for another podcast. So let's delve into the paranormal world and dig up some supporting evidence for spirits in the material world, with apologies to the police, the band that is. Finding haunted places in the U.S. is like finding a Starbucks. Every town in the world has at least one or two. Some are more famous than others, but some of the stories kept more quiet are downright chilling. I'll be rating all the places covered on this podcast on the Irrational Realist Scale, or the IR Scale, of 1 to 10 with one being the only spirits here in a bottle, to ten being I wouldn't spend a night there with Jennifer Aniston. And just for the record, she is my celebrity crush. Let's start with some of the more famous sites around the country. The Queen Mary in Long Beach, California. The Queen Mary has long been the source of several hauntings and sightings over the years. After she was decommissioned, she was sold to Long Beach as a tourist attraction and now is a hotel, restaurant, and gift shop. There have been reports of over 150 ghosts that are permanent residents of the ship, including an engineer that supposedly was crushed under a watertight door during a fire drill. He now stands in the doorway that killed him. 
What footprints of a little girl seen by the second-class pool, apparently from a young girl that drowned many years ago? The first-class pool has its own ghosts of children and a woman in a white flowing dress. You see, they're always wearing a white flowing dress. The hotel portion also has a couple specific rooms, B340 and B474, that seem to always give guests and occasional thrill-seekers a good scare when inhabited. In B-474, there were supposedly two daughters that murdered their father in 1959, and he haunts that room to this day. I'm quite certain both stories help keep the rooms occupied year-round. Not a bad business if you're the Queen Mary. By the way, records indicate there were no murders of any kind on the ship, so take that and make up your own mind. Is it haunted? I'll give it a 7 on the IR scale. There are an awful lot of individual and group sightings on the premises, and I base my rating on the group sightings alone. They're much more convincing than the single sightings, so I'm going to say the Queen Mary may definitely be haunted. Regardless of the critics, the Queen Mary continues to haunt those that come in with an open mind and possibly an open bar. Long live, or not live, the Queen. The Whaley House in San Diego, California. The story goes that in 1857, a man named Thomas Whaley built a house for his family in San Diego, but forgot to check first if it was the past site of an execution. I mean, don't we all check for that first? Anyway, Thomas and his family began getting night visits from James Yankee Jim Robinson, who was the unlucky person to have been executed there a few years earlier. Well, since then, Yankee Jim has been joined by Thomas himself, as well as his wife, daughters Violet and Anna, and infant son Thomas III. You know, if you can't beat him, join him. The Whaley House has been investigated by several paranormal experts and has never failed to turn up a spirit or disembodied voice, also called an EVP or electronic voice phenomenon. The Whaley House has been called the most haunted house in America, but since none of the spirits have really been mean or toss things around, I'm only giving it a 7.5. Come on, Yankee Jim, you need to up your game if you want a higher IR rating from this guy. The Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, Colorado. We all know the story by now that the Stanley inspired Stephen King's The Overlook Hotel in his book, The Shining. But is it really haunted? It has been ghost hunted to death pun intended, by every professional and amateur ghost hunter trying to make a buck off the imaginations of believers. Oddly enough, the ghosts didn't actually appear until after the book and the movie were released. I'm not quite sure ghosts wait for an official announcement to start haunting an establishment, so I'm calling the Stanley a figment of the hotel's imagination. I'll give it a 2 on the IR scale just for the location alone, because it is beautiful. Plus, I've never stayed there but I have been there many, many times and never experienced anything except a pain in my wallet. The Winchester Mystery House in San Jose, California. California seems to have lots of haunted places on the list, probably because you can only afford to live in California if you're dead and not paying taxes. I'm sure the governor will find a way to tax them before too long as well. But until then, let's delve into the Winchester Mystery House. According to legend, the Winchester House is haunted by every person ever killed by a Winchester firearm. 
Now, I found that a little hard to swallow, but Sarah Winchester did believe there were several spirits in the house, including her husband and daughter, and kept building on to accommodate them. The construction continued nonstop until her death in 1922. Currently, the house has 24,000 square feet, 10,000 windows and 2,000 doors, 160 rooms, 52 skylights, 47 staircases, 13 bathrooms, and six kitchens. It sounds like the house of a rapper, but it's not. It's called the Mystery House because several hallways, doors, and staircases go absolutely nowhere. Probably because ghosts can just walk through walls, but whatever the reason, Sarah kept building on to keep the spirits at ease and the workers cashing their paychecks. The house has been visited by more than 12 million people since it opened its doors, which makes it more of an oddity than a haunted destination. I'm giving it a 4.5 on the IR scale, and I'm being generous because I own a Winchester firearm. The Velisca Axe Murder House in Velisca, Iowa. Okay, what the Winchester gave us in thrills, the Velisca House gives us an actual chills. On June 10th, 1912, an entire family, including four children, two adults, and two friends of the children that were spending the night, were brutally killed by an axe-wielding murderer, one that was never caught. Rumors were that there was no sign of forced entry, and the murderer may have been hiding in the house until they were all asleep. As it was determined, the murders were done between midnight and 5 a.m. All eight spirits are said to haunt this house, and they are said to be awaiting justice for their murders. I tend to believe that when people pass unexpectedly or before their time, they will produce restless spirits that are anchored to the place of demise until they are released in some manner. In this case, all eight are doomed to walk the Velisca Axe murder house for eternity since the murders are not likely to ever be solved. On the IR scale, I give this a strong nine, as not only have all eight spirits been found to haunt the house, but EVP evidence has been uncovered that the murderer also haunts the house to keep the people from revealing his or her identity. The current owner of the house is Martha Lynn. Today, the Velisca Axe Murder House serves as a paranormal hotel, which groups of six or fewer can pay $428 to stay there overnight. Martha simply hands over the keys when they arrive and then leaves them alone for the night. But are they really alone? As for Martha herself, she doesn't like to talk about the ghost sightings in her own house. But when asked about the ghost, she said this, quote, I feel like there's something there. If indeed there are spirits, you have to realize that six of them are children. I don't know if the murderer still exists there, but there have been a few things that happened that aren't exactly calming, but I don't like to dwell on it. For anyone else who wants to go, the tours are $10 per person. Would I stay there? Nope to the nope. The Bell Witch Cave in Adams, Tennessee. Now this one even sounds a little scarier. The folklore tells of the land being purchased in the 1800s by John Bell, where he lived in peace until 1817. From 1817 to 1821, there were accounts of extreme hauntings and John's actual demise in 1820, or so the story goes. The witch was seen and heard by several people, including Andrew Jackson, who was the commanding officer to John Bell and his brothers in the Battle of New Orleans. 
Jackson's troops were apparently stopped in their tracks in mud, only to be released when a voice told them she would, quote, see them later tonight, unquote, which she did, terrorizing the soldiers until they screamed to leave the land. The Bell Witch terrorized everyone in the Bell family except Lucy Bell, the widow of John. After his death, the witch appeared to Lucy several times, but only to converse, and then one last time in 1828 to say she was leaving, but were he but would return in seven years. She never did return as she said, but there have been many accounts to this day of visitations by the Bell Witch. I'm going to give the Bell family some love on this one. Although there are more than a few holes in the legend, I'm going to give it a five on the IR scale. I do think the Bells were terrorized by something, maybe mental illness or the bottom of a whiskey bottle, but their creativity and imagination deserves something. Cool story though, but I'm guessing it's the commercialization and merchandising that keeps this tale alive. The White House in Washington, D.C. Yes, that White House that has housed every president and his family since John Adams in 1800. Many presidents have reported strange entities and spirits walking around the White House, as well as dogs barking wildly at nothing in dark doorways, closets, and entryways. William Henry Harrison is said to still walk around in the attic. John Tyler haunts the Blue Room. Thomas Jefferson plays his violin in the Yellow Oval Room. Andrew Jackson could be heard laughing and swearing, even from Mary Todd Lincoln herself. And Abraham still hangs out in the Lincoln bedroom and has been seen by many foreign dignitaries, including one Winston Churchill. Guests, workers, and presidents themselves see and hear things in the White House so regularly that they aren't even reported anymore. Although I believe there are ghosts and spirits floating around 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, I'm only giving a 7 on the IR scale. Dead presidents can't start a war, raise your taxes, or leave cocaine lying around in the White House, although I'm sure they'll get blamed for it. Live presidents are much more scary to me. The Sally House in Atchison, Kansas. Okay, this one is just a little creepy to me. It's only one ghost, but she is said to be a very malevolent and evil spirit. First, let's talk about demons. Now, if you believe in demons, which I do, then you know they can not only possess living people, but dead ones too. They are said to take the form of children to seem unassuming, then possess the living once they are, quote, let in, unquote. That is the case with little Sally. She is said to have passed while undergoing emergency surgery for appendicitis. She now haunts the house with a special dislike for men. In the 90s, Deborah and Tony Pickman witnessed several paranormal events, as did the residents before them, Bobby and Colleen Humbart. She is now said to be either controlled by a demon, or a demon disguised as Sally haunts the residents while silencing Sally. Male visitors that have come into contact with Sally, or her possessor, have had many malevolent experiences like scratches, marks, and burns on their bodies. My thought is, I don't mess around with malevolent spirits, and especially demons. That being said, I give this one a stout 8.5 on the IR scale. I'm not sure if it's real, but I'm not taking any chances, just in case. The Hollywood Roosevelt, Hollywood, California. The Roosevelt has been a temporary home to many famous people over the years, and one of its most famous regular guests was Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn's spirit is said to frequent Suite 1200 as a reflection in the mirror. 
not a bad reflection if you ask me. Carol Lombard, Errol Flynn, and Montgomery Clift are also said to roam the halls. For my younger audience, those were the Margot Robbie, Chris Hemsworth, and Brad Pitt of the era. They also have non-celebrity ghosts like a man in a tuxedo that hangs out in the ballroom and a little girl that roams the halls looking for her mother. However, I've stayed here and asked several of the hotel workers if there are truly ghosts that still haunt the hotel, and I received a resounding no from all of them. The actual response was, I've never heard of any sightings from a sober person. I'm giving this one a 1.5 on the IR scale, solely because Marilyn's name was mentioned. The Goldfield Hotel, Goldfield, Nevada. The Goldfield Hotel was made famous by Zach Bagans on the Travel Channel's Ghost Adventures. The Goldfield has been named one of the most haunted places in the world, and for good reason. It is known for several entities, including the Gunslinger on the second floor that peeks around a corner, Room 109, where Elizabeth, a prostitute, was chained to a radiator while pregnant with George Wingfield's child. Wingfield was the owner of the Goldfield and a very wealthy businessman. He is said to have had Elizabeth killed and her baby thrown down a mine shaft in the basement. Now Elizabeth is seen and heard crying for her baby. Another famous permanent resident of the Goldfield is the stabber who attacks people brave enough to enter the hotel. Several people have been scratched or stabbed at the same place within the hotel, supposedly by the stabber. Other entities are the woman that hanged herself in the hotel, a man that jumped off the roof to his death, and old George Wingfield himself puffing away on his old smelly cigar. But the most famous activity was when Zack and his partner Nick Groff locked themselves in the hotel for a night. In the basement, they were confronted by several entities threatening them to leave. At one point, a brick and a 2x4 levitated on camera, sending Zack and Nick running for the exit. The film has been investigated for editing or special effects and found by several people to be legitimate. That event propelled Ghost Adventures into one of the most watched programs in Travel Channel history. Since then, the co has been caught manipulating footage and conjuring fake voices for entertainment purposes. But the original Goldfield is still chilling proof that something unexplained is walking the earth with us, and sometimes is not happy that we're walking with them. For that event alone, I give the Goldfield Hotel in Nevada my highest rating of 9.5 on the IR scale. Let's move along to some not-so-famous but more real-world examples of the paranormal. As a young pre-kindergarten age boy, I remember waking up in the middle of the night to a dark figure in the doorway of my bedroom. The door was open, and I could see a faint silhouette against the hallway. As my eyes focused, a strange voice that I would describe to my mother as witch-like said out loud, Look at the little red-haired boy. I was scared to death at the time, but my mother dismissed it as a nightmare. I learned to dismiss it as well, and only remembered the altercation a few years back. To this day, I believe it was my great-grandmother that died shortly after I was born. She too had red hair and was overjoyed that I was born a redhead. Of course, I called her a witch, so she never appeared again, most likely complaining about how kids today are inconsiderate and have no manners. But honestly, she could have been a little more well-spoken and a little nicer to me at the time. I also have an old friend that lived in Urbana, Ohio. He and his wife were renting a house back in the late 80s near the old Urbana University. The renters told them that a spirit of a young man that passed from a drug overdose lived there, but was quite harmless. 
The only time he ever made his presence known was when she played Ohio, a Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young song. One evening, they invited a couple friends over for a party, and one of them brought a copy of their four-way street, which was the album Ohio was on, specifically to try and coax the ghost out of retirement. My friend never believed the stories of the ghost hippie, so he was quite animated while the song was playing as he was trying to taunt the spirit. This was his account. After the song played, I cursed at him for not showing up and called David Crosby a fat slob. Right at that exact moment, a candle holder from the mantle flew off the shelf and hit me in the head, causing a scratch. Then the record player started up again and played Ohio from the very beginning. My wife made me apologize, and I never said another word about Ohio, David Crosby, or the ghost again. We moved three months later. His wife, by the way, corroborated the story. So, you may choose to believe it or not, there was alcohol involved, but it would be a very strange coincidence should it all just be coincidental. I have another friend in Colorado that was in between homes as he and his wife had just bought a house, but they couldn't move in for about three weeks. One of his high school friends offered their cabin about an hour away outside Empire, Colorado. Because a hotel room or rent for three weeks would be so astronomical, he took the offer to save a little money that could definitely go towards the new house. His friend told him, the cabin is said to be haunted, but I've never seen or heard anything. My parents would tell me they heard someone walking on the roof at night, but there are animals all over, so I figured it was a raccoon or a mountain lion. Does that change your mind? My friend said, of course not. They weren't worried about that, and they moved into the cabin a week later. The very first night, they heard heavy footprints on the roof. They just went back to sleep, thinking it was an animal. The second night, the footprints were much louder, and then they heard a loud bang. My friend went outside, with a rifle, just in case, only to find nothing on the roof. Seconds after he went back in, the footprints started up again. FYI, there was no attic in the house, and his wife reported dust coming from the ceiling during the sounds. They both packed and left within the hour and stayed in a hotel for three weeks. He was visibly shaken as he was telling me the story, and he told me they told very few people because it just sounded ridiculous. But his exact words were, Mark, if you could have heard that bang, it scared the bejesus out of me. Except he didn't say bejesus. Check one, check two. This last story comes from a friend of a friend, but it's so bizarre it deserves a spot in my podcast. It is a story of a thimble. The year was 1964, and this friend of a friend's father, we'll call him Jason, was tilling the ground of a house they just moved into. They were readying the ground for a vegetable garden they were going to plant the following year. During the tilling, Jason's daughter, we'll call her Mary, discovered a thimble in the dirt. It looked old, but otherwise in good shape, so she cleaned it up and kept it on her dresser with her other mementos. The next year, they planted all the seeds and waited for the garden to grow. It was also at that time the thimble went missing. Mary looked everywhere, but it was nowhere to be found, nor had her parents seen it. After a few weeks, Mary forgot about it. That fall, they were pulling up some root vegetables, let's say carrots, but that's a guess. And guess what came up with a carrot? It would be really cool to say the thimble, but that's not the story. But it was a partial head of a doll. The father became suspicious, so he dug a little deeper and found all kinds of little knickknacks buried in the soil. Most of the items were junk, but a small metal figurine of a dog was found, and it was in perfect condition. 
Mary wanted it, so she again cleaned it up and put it on her dresser, only to have it come up missing a few weeks later, just like the thimble. Now, I know you're all on the edge of your seats to hear an incredible ending to the story, but unfortunately, she never recovered the two objects, and that is the end of the story. Of course, Mary believed they were taken by the ghost of whomever they belonged to originally, but we will never know. Now, if Hollywood ever got a hold of this story, the ending would be that Mary became a famous author of horror novels and returned to the town for a book signing. During the signing, a woman in a long, white, flowing dress gave her a box. When Mary opened the box, the thimble and metal dog were inside. When she looked up, the woman was gone. So, let's run with that ending, shall we? Now, there's one small story I'd like to add before we depart. As I was recording this podcast on ghosts, a couple strange things happened to me as well. The first thing was my phone, as I was talking, turned on by itself and played none other than my podcast through the speaker. Number one, my phone wasn't on. Number two, my speaker doesn't just come on by itself. And it was strange that it started playing my podcast. Secondly, as I was finishing, I felt something touch the back of my shoulder. It almost felt like the cat rubbed up against me. But when I turned around, there was no cat. Now, both of these probably can be explained, but it is a coincidence. And it's worth noting that it scared the bejesus out of me. Oh, and I didn't use the word bejesus. The bottom line is ghosts can be both scary and fascinating at the same time. In the beginning, I stated about 45% of people believe in ghosts or some version of the paranormal. Do we believe because we want to believe our loved ones never really leave us? Or do we just like to be scared? Now, that last comment may not make sense to everyone, but being scared releases adrenaline and cortisol. The adrenaline releases a rush of endorphins and dopamine that are chemicals that give us a natural high. So in short, we get high from being scared. So then do people in Colorado get twice as high? Hmm, Maybe, but let's not to OD on the paranormal just yet. We have part two of Ghosts, My Boo, and Other Dead People later this month. Don't miss my special Halloween edition on October 15th. Email me at markdartdoctor, that's M-A-R-K-D-A-R-T-D-R at gmail.com with your comments, suggestions, or stories. You may be in a future edition of The Irrational Realist and become rich and famous beyond all your wildest dreams, or just hear your name on my podcast. I can definitely promise one of those. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Irrational Realist. Please subscribe to The Irrational Realist for the latest episode every two weeks. For now, thank you for listening, and remember, podcast spelled backwards is taco if the S, D, and P are silent. Mm -hmm.